Alright, alright. Welcome to the 44th episode of the Drop Pass podcast. It's great to have you back on board since today we have another exciting episode ahead where the topics will surround the NHL finals. And as the main topic, we will dwell a bit deeper into a topic that was praised by many of you when the first episode came out almost a year ago. And that topic is the mental health of an athlete. So that means that today we will go back into athlete's mindset and more specifically I will go deeper into my own thoughts and reflect on things that stayed with me through those days. And I'm more than sure that some of you at least will connect with me on some of those thoughts. So I hope that this will be another bonding episode for both of us. And lastly, before we kick things off, I want to point out that next week will be another bye week, unfortunately. And the reason for that is that my best friend is getting married and I'm one of the groomsmen, so I'll be pretty busy next week and don't have time to publish new episode on the weekend. But hopefully you will forgive me for my sin once again. Just wanted to throw that out there so that you are aware and I promise you that The week after I will be back with the draft episode and we will go through the most essential topics from that exact event. But that is the run through for today's episode as well as the plan for the next few upcoming weeks. But today we are going to keep the intro short and sweet so that we get straight into action without any non-necessary rambling. So let's fire out the intro and let's get this thing started. So without further ado... Let's get going. The NHL 2021-2022 season is now officially over and if you put some money on the line before the season started based on my preseason predictions, you probably earned few pennies just few days ago. Since the Avs were crowned as the champions and earned that title after beating the defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning after a six-game final series. Some already counted them out after the Bolts narrowed the series lead down to 3-2 and I see the point in that and as I said, if the series would have gone to Game 7 it could have been a totally different ending to the one we got but the Avs came through, their big gun showed up when the series was on the line and the Punisher himself Arturi Lehkonen sealed the deal for the Avs and most likely earned himself a nice leverage for the upcoming off-season contract negotiations. He became easily the most valuable asset moved on the deadline and was one of the more prominent players of the playoffs this year and once again scored few critical goals which led to him eventually hoisting the cup last weekend in Tampa Bay. He has become a real playoff performer and I would guess that the Avs will do anything in their power to resign him in the offseason. And as I stated in the season preview, the Avs had faced the adversity needed during the past few seasons to conquer this massive mountain and you could feel that during their postseason run. As guys were willing to play through tough injuries, face the adversity and not bend over when the times got tough, and the willingness to go through the obstacles they faced was present inside their locker room, which showed in their on-ice performance as well. Nasim Kadri became the embodiment of that resilience as he returned back onto the ice just a few weeks after his resurgery, which was something that most didn't expect when the news broke out about the injury he had sustained. 
This group was as deep as you would expect from a Stanley Cup champion, where their center depth was prominent and they even had guys playing both wings that could have slotted into that role on a moment's notice. Top players led the team's offense throughout the playoffs. Defense was a tremendous combination of youth and speed alongside veteran leadership and defensive prowess. Meanwhile, their goaltenders Kemper and Francis came through when they needed to, but most of the praise will go to guys standing in front of them. And I have to admit that even though I had stated that this final series was going to be one with better offense, the truth is that the Avs were just better defensively in the last deciding games, and they just shut down Lightning's top offensive units. While Vasilevsky wasn't able to stand on his head in the other end like he's done in the past. So in conclusion, this year's Stanley Cup Finals were after all decided on both the offensive as well as the defensive fronts. Since the first few games, the Avs just blew the bolts out of the water by being extremely efficient offensively. While the last remaining games were decided by better defense and this was the outcome of those two aspects combined. Bowen Byram really raised his level in the playoffs as I had already mentioned. Nate Dogg put on his elite gear in the deciding games and most of all, the Conn Smythe winner Kale McCarr was just out of this world this year. As he became the first ever player to win Hobby Baker Award as the best collegiate player of the year. Calder Trophy winner, the best rookie in the NHL. James Norris Trophy, the best defenseman in the NHL. The Conn Smythe, the best player in the playoffs alongside the biggest of them all, the Stanley Cup. Yeah, and this guy is just 23 years of age, so good luck trying to predict his ceiling or the salary in his new deal in 2027. With this rate, he will become the best player in this league in few years, and he will most likely be the guy to break records defensively as he quarterbacks the Avs backline behind names like McKinnon, Randanen, and Landeskog. He's the most dominant blue liner since Niklas Lee's term, and I can't even imagine what he could accomplish in the future since he's going to need a lake house for all of his trophies with this rate. In my mind, Hart Trophy is up next for him since the others have been already captured pretty much. And as long as Connor McDavid stays healthy and he doesn't get traded to the Arizona Coyotes, he's going to take the Hart Trophy for the next 5-8 to eight years if for example, upcoming Connor Bedard doesn't steal one or two of those in the process. All in all, both sides faced real adversity and just like always, now that the playoffs are over, we start to see the full picture when it comes to, for example, injuries. And it's gotta be said that the list for both finals teams are impressive. And some of those injuries will explain the underachieving performances from few players, Nikita Kucherov included. Complete performance from the Avs, and just like Coop said in the press conference after the finals were done, the Bolts had now found their match and had to get back to the grindstone and try to get back on top with their current core. Nikita Kucherov completely disappeared during the finals and the MCL sprain he suffered surely affected his performance, while Victor Hedman was atrocious during the first two games but picked up the slack later in the series, but still... Those two games became pretty vital for the Bolts and those kind of lapses just can happen on this level when you are playing for the biggest prize the league has to offer. Vasil wasn't the superman he was during the past two postseason runs so he became human this year as well. Corey Perry lost his third Stanley Cup final in a row and is already searching for the next team that is willing to lose in the finals. 
Colorado could be a good shout and overall the signs were there from the start that this team wasn't the same that they had during their two previous runs for the cup. Point, Chirelli, McDonough, Hegel, Kucherov, Paul, Perry and Bellamere all battled through serious injuries and as I said they didn't look the same as they did during the past two cup runs and some of that will without a doubt stem from their injury situation where guys had to stretch thin only to even get back onto the ice each night. But I have to admit that this was probably the best Stanley Cup series I've watched in recent memory. And although it wasn't as fiery as I had expected, it heated up towards the end as the balls started to fight back, but that wasn't enough at the end and the Avs grabbed their third Stanley Cup of their franchise history. Huge congrats to Mikko Rantanen, Arturi Lehkonen, Jussi Parkkila and also their third string goaltender Justus Annonen, who was also part of their Stanley Cup celebrations. They look good for the next year as well, so I wouldn't be surprised if they made another appearance in the finals, but those predictions will come towards the end part of the summer, so you have to stick with me to find out if they will grab another trophy to their cabinet. Especially since McKinnon just stated that he was going to get so fat this offseason because of all the cup celebrations that it might be between a rock and a hard place to repeat this feat if he's out of shape heading into next season. But nevertheless the Avs have a strong foundation for the next season and the mastermind Joe Sakic leads the team's front office so there should be no doubt when considering their postseason possibilities again next year. But this will be the last piece from the 2021-2022 season and we will start to get ready for the upcoming entry draft which already has some drama that involves possible first overall picks. Shane Wright and Uri Slavkovsky as Bob McKenzie, one of the most respected hockey names in the community stated that Slavkovsky was going to go first overall next week despite Wright being the unanimous number one pick since his OHL draft. McKenzie has predicted every first overall pick since 2009 so there certainly is some weight behind this statement but we'll see what eventually happens on the draft day. And oh yeah before we close out McJesus won the scoring race for the playoffs so my joke wasn't as funny as it was intended to be. We will visit the entry draft after the names have been called so until then this will be the last part considering the 2021-2022 season. And we might take a later look at this season at some point, but for now, this will close out the book for this season. And as I promised, the main course for this week is going to be the second installment for the Athletes Mindset, whatever you want to call it, series, maybe. So we will glance back at the previous episode where I covered this topic briefly, and if you haven't listened to that episode yet, I would advise you to check out the episode number 25 before continuing or just do it after, I'll let you choose your own path on this one. Before we start this journey though, I want to mention that I'm not going to go back and forth between these two episodes, so if there's some repetition, it's not done on purpose, I just want to clear out my mind and not worry about the things that I've mentioned previously. So some sentences are going to come out like a playback most likely, but don't get rattled about that and just focus on the details that are submerged in the context. And also I want to mention that I haven't shared these thoughts with many people, so you can now say that you've become one of the few people that are going to hear this, but hopefully that will change once some time passes by. 
But like I mentioned in the 25th episode, I can promise you that I'm far from the only person that has gone through these stages. And that is why I want to let my words speak for this as well, since I know from my experience that these things are not discussed publicly very often, especially amongst teammates who know each other, which usually tend to be some of your best buddies. So if these scenarios fit your situation, I would challenge you to find someone who would be willing to listen, since I know that it feels like an impossible challenge to find the right person to talk to. And certainly at the start, you feel like you don't even know where to start looking. And the fact of the matter is that usually those people don't just appear to your life with the snap of a finger, even how badly you might want it to happen unconsciously. Or on the hindsight, you might feel that discussing wouldn't help the situation at all, even if it was a person who was totally outside looking in. But that is not the case. I can promise you that it might take some time, but eventually by reflecting discussing and sharing the thoughts helps ease the load mentally because you can let go of those thoughts and they won't weigh on you as much as they currently might. It's more powerful than you might think and I can confess that I thought the same way as well but it didn't do me any good in the long run so ask yourself what I have to lose in this case if I did this. The drawbacks should be fairly minimal while the gains can be remarkable. It doesn't have to be a professional that you share your thoughts with, even though I would highly suggest it. Or it might as well be a person that you trust who is not judgmental and willing to listen. I don't want to sound like a psychic or a shrink, but it ain't no coincidence that this is the stance for most of the people that are willing and brave enough to speak out and want to help others. So please, if you are considering this now, but not willing to take action yet, I'm surely not forcing you to make any changes, but just put this thought inside the box and let it marinate until you feel like you are ready to take that thought out and put it into action. And it doesn't have to include sports at all. This is just my own experience and I know for a fact that these are very usual amongst athletes, no matter of the current level or the sport. That's just how it is, more or less. But this also applies to ordinary life. If you're struggling with your own thoughts, it usually is beneficial to get those thoughts out and not dwell with them in your own mind. So this will also apply to situations on a normal, non-athlete level. And for example, I've even tried to put them in use on a day-to-day basis. We are all different. And for example, I like to process my thoughts by myself first before discussing about them. So do as you feel comfortable. But if this gives you any spark on switching it up, and discussing about your thoughts, I believe that it will end up being very beneficial for you. So don't be afraid to lose weight from your shoulders. But I think that's good enough of an intro for this topic. So let's start by going over the thoughts that I carried through my playing days and which I've been really able to reflect upon only after the career was ended. The biggest thing I want to point out right from the get-go is the fact that a massive weight was lifted off my shoulders once the constant unconscious pressure was released, which was caused by my sport. I've spoken with few of my buddies who share the same thought, and by no means am I enforcing you to quit on something you love, but as for me, I've only been able to realize how much pressure was built into me without really realizing it or putting any emphasis on the whole situation. 
Yes, you tend to relax on your off days, but the fact is that everything surrounding the sport is only there for you to be better in that context, believe it or not. Of course, your family, possible spouse, friends, etc. are there for other reasons, but for example, you try to maximize your performance on court by planning your meals to be better the next day or the next practice. You also maximize the rest for the same exact reason, and even if you wouldn't like to admit it, that presence stays in your mind day in and day out, even if you are doing something else, and that's exactly why athletes try to do anything else besides talking about their sport or anything related to that to get their head out of that space, but for the most part, it stays with you in most decision-making situations. It's completely normal to you, and people around you tend to understand that, but still, it's causing harm for them to a certain extent, and I can only speak from my own point of view. Because meanwhile, in the pro level, the wives and husbands have their own lives to deal with, and are more often than not more used to the circumstances, but for a kid that has still school left, for example, or works part-time alongside their sport, That's not easy as you have to manage time and other resources for the sake of others in order for you to be on your best each day. I don't want to say you that that is a problem, but the fact of the matter is that either you get used to it or you suffer from it to a certain extent. Situations differ, as I said, some are more balanced and more able to cope with that lifestyle, but major sacrifices on all fronts are needed smaller and bigger in order for that to work out. So once I retired from the sport, I immediately realized how light I felt since I didn't have that certain performance pressure on my daily life in extent that many people feel and felt very, very relieved when I had made my decision to let go of my dream and start focusing on life beyond the ice rink. The whole mental state becomes normal part of your daily life and you tend to manage it with different ways depending on your personality. But the unitive thought is that it's still present and you don't know anything else besides living in that headspace. And I can only imagine what the feeling must be on the higher levels, but since I can't comment further into that, maybe at some point we could get someone here to talk about that aspect at a later date since at least I would love to hear what's the life like on the next level, no matter the sport. And if you're wondering what are the effects of that constant unconscious pressure I'm talking about, I feel like it shows itself differently to each individual. But for the most part, people who know this feeling can relate to it since it is so constant and usually once you get out of it, then you start to realize how present it really was. But it's not completely a negative thing, since it forces you to create habits such as being able to work under extreme stress and pressure. You also move that mindset to your daily life and start to set goals for yourself while you strive to improve yourself daily and, even at some points, stop to reflect on those goals you've set. Sometimes they are smaller, sometimes big long-term goals, but you also learn to take things slow by taking only small steps forward in order to improve your odds of achieving those long-term goals or just merely enjoying the ride to the top since life is unpredictable and you are supposed to enjoy it while it lasts. In sports, you mainly get focused on improving yourself by doing things that will benefit you long-term 
and in some instances that will blind you from the fact that this won't last forever and you need to enjoy the small things in between your goals since once you've achieved your goal you will start to set the next one and that's a cold heart fact. The journey is the one thing that lasts the longest so why not enjoy those moments while you still have your eyes on the prize. It's in the details is one of the phrases that you get here thrown around constantly and in this instance it belongs to both sides of the spectrum. You focus on small things to improve yourself while you should take home the small moments from that journey so that once you've reached your goal you don't forget what the journey was like altogether. Those are some of the main points I harvested during my long-term injuries. Also, you can't force certain things into existence, so you need to be patient and still keep working towards those goals, even though you would think that you are not making enough progress. The work will pay off eventually, somewhere or the other, and one thing that surely connects many of us who have played competitive sports or faced challenges in personal level is resilience, since you are going to face adversity throughout your entire lifetime, but... I believe that you have learned the skill of not giving up ahead of those challenges because the only way to pass them is to work through them and face them with or without someone. On that same breath, I need to say that one more thing that has stuck with me is the work ethic from my hockey days, where the hardworking mentality hasn't disappeared, especially when we're talking about things that matter to me the most. Working hard towards certain goals becomes natural and if you've trusted the process, you don't need to question the work you've put in since you know you've done your best, at least for the most part. Off days are inevitable, as we know. You also might understand that if you succeeded, it's not all about what you do when all eyeballs are on you, but the biggest differences are made when no one is really watching and that requires persistence and discipline. Or if it can be seen immediately, you certainly haven't worked for it for nothing. But as I said, the work will pay off, or at least that's how I see it. But one of the biggest challenges for me individually after my playing days has to be to learn away from the thought that you are not allowed or supposed to make mistakes. And that was probably the biggest flaw in my mindset growing up, which might have been one of the key reasons why I didn't develop to a level I was aiming for. I remember people telling me early on to minimize risk, to play it safe and to avoid mistakes on the ice. And that is true, don't get me wrong, especially if the game is close, you certainly don't want to be the one who fucks it all up and is partly responsible for a loss. But guess what? Mistakes happen and how you deal with them is more important and deciding than the mistake you've made. And even though that mistake might feel like a Mount Everest that day, believe me buddy, you get to live another day and on the next one, you have your chance to reconcile your past. I've never been a serious risk taker and part of the reason for that is exactly the mindset, do not make mistakes. But how else are you going to learn other than by making them? I, like many others growing up, were very hard on ourselves for many reasons and once you implement a mindset where you are not supposed to make mistakes into that equation, it becomes a norm. 
So good luck finding your way out of that. I can tell you, it ain't easy. Not impossible, but not easy. For me, the events usually went like this. Once I made a certain mistake, it became really hard for me to try to bounce back from that, even though I've already taken a few deep breaths and reset my mindset to focus on the next shift and feel like I've already moved on from that previous mistake, but still, the thought was hanging somewhere there in my consciousness, with cigar in his mouth waiting for his chance to come back and remind me for my failures. Since the only option in my mind to reclaim that mistake was to make something impactful happen and if that didn't happen in a timely fashion, the previous mistake raised its head and every other even small mishap amounted on top of it, creating a storm of negative thoughts which bended me down like an inmate serving a life sentence. But once the stress relieves or you make a massive play which turns the tide upside down in your mind, then you are again able to think clearly and reset your mind completely. But too many times it had to go until this point and I felt powerless in these kind of situations. Where you feel like after one mistake, every other possible unfortunate thing will happen to you within the next five minutes. And sometimes I was left there thinking like, what's it going to be today? Just please bring it. And as you can imagine, nothing great came out of that thought. But on the hindsight, I have to make a special shout out to my best friend who has always had this special skill that I've admired throughout the years, where he has always been able to bounce back from major mistakes, throw those thoughts straight to the breadbasket and make a deciding play before the game ends. And at this point, I can tell you that at least few of you will recognize the person I'm mentioning here, because I can count numerous cases where the opposing team has scored because of his mistake, somewhere on the ice, but time after time, I always thought that, well, at least I know who's going to score the game winner, or at least the tying goal, and more often than not, that ended becoming true. I've always been mesmerized by his ability to erase the previous memory from his hard drive, and switch up his killer switch to mentally focus himself to make the next deciding play later on that game without a fear of costing the team again, and usually, the mistake was fixed already on the next chef, so someone even could count him as a clutch player. I haven't always will count on him since I know that no matter the situation, I know that he's going to do his best for me and there's nothing more I can expect plain and simple. And just FYI, I'm not trying to get emotional here, just wanted to point out this fact and tell you this story since I can bet on it that some of you at least know one guy who is just like him and they are invaluable individuals for their teams. But getting back to our previous topic, one of the reasons for this thought manifesting inside the brain was the fact that you never wanted to seem weak, vulnerable or inferior to others, since what we've been taught is that each day matters and if you are not on your best from Monday to Sunday, you don't get to play and someone else does and that is the last thing you want since the games were always the cream on top of this dessert. The inner competition was a major force pushing each individual forward and nobody wanted to seem worse than the guy next to him for obvious reasons. It's a competitive sport and you never want to be the weakest link. On the hindsight though, 
as I probably stated in the previous episode, the team and most of all your teammates are the ones alongside coaches and other personnel who carry you through the days and become your family outside those four walls that house you. Since you spend majority of the time inside that bubble, so at least for me it has carried over to civilian life, and unfortunately, to this date, I haven't been able to shake that feeling off. And I'm trying to find groups that are like-minded, who share same values, strive towards a common goal, and are a unit that doesn't work without its members. So, if you know me, you can probably sense that from the paths that I've taken thus far. I have to admit that, so far, there haven't been many groups that have resembled the teams that I played in, with one exception alongside my friend group, and I would be lying to you if I said that I don't crave that feeling, for example, in the workplace. Because it's a tremendous resource on a daily basis, and like many others who have retired from different sports, feel the same way, and that ain't no coincidence. And if I'm not able to find that, I can promise you that I will create that in the future, some shape or form, and you can become part of that by joining the circus. But that pretty much shells the pressure shot of things, and I feel like I got out most of what I had stored for this segment. So next, we will move on to challenges related to injuries, which were one of the main components for my retirement, and I will also open up about the expectations and the hardships related to my own experiences, and what were the stages that I went through before hanging up my skates. So when my back broke in 2015, I think, it was pretty much the first real injury that I had to deal with for more than a couple of weeks, and it really took me by surprise since the incident wasn't anything out of the ordinary. I passed the puck up the ice from behind our own net, and one of my teammates came down and took a late hit on me, and... In result of that, my upper body twisted as I was not anticipating him to hit me so late. And in the aftermath, I felt something crack on my lower back immediately. The first thought of course was that, why the fuck you had to hit me so late, cause it was like 2 or 3 seconds after I had passed the puck, and I was just aggravated that it had to take place. At that time, I didn't know if something was really broken, but immediately felt some pain on the lower left side of my back, but kept on going thinking that I had just pulled some muscle in there and the SI joint was just hurting in the aftermath, which had happened already twice earlier. This time that wasn't the case though, since I can remember vividly how at the end of that practice session, I was coming down the right side and taking a normal snapper before the hash marks, But now the pain was just instant and it felt like someone had stabbed me in the back and right after I had to leave the ice and I went straight to the locker room where I laid down for half an hour since I really couldn't sit or stand up properly without any pain. And once the guys came back from the ice, few of them helped me to take my gear off since I just couldn't do it myself and felt like an 80 year old with physical disabilities. Well, that didn't stop there though. We soon realized that I wasn't able to drive since I couldn't sit upright, so one of my good buddies had to take me home and actually carry me to my front door like I had been drinking for two straight days. And now looking back at it, it must have been an abnormal situation where he had to drive me home while my seat was fully horizontally placed and eventually he almost carried me like a drunken asshole out of the bar. Not saying that that hasn't ever happened in the past, but 
that has nothing to do with this scenario. But after that, I spent a few days almost like paralyzed in my bed since I couldn't really turn to my other side or stand up to go to the bathroom since it created so much pain and beamed down to my leg. So only a visit to the toilet felt like an eternity at that point. Well, some time had passed by and they found a fracture from my back joint. So I had to sit out approximately six or seven months and it pretty much ruined the entire season for me since once I was back the playoffs were almost on and it was my freshman year with the U20 so few guys were in front of me in the pecking order but that's just the background for the first big injury. So what was the journey like? Well straight up awful to be honest. The biggest thing was that it happened in the middle of the preseason which is one of the most important parts of the year on a personal level. Where you try to hone out the physical elements in your game and get yourself ready for the next season. And since it was my first year with the under 20 team, I would have needed that offseason to develop myself for faster and stronger opponents. But since that wasn't the case, once I came back from my injury, I was a ghost of myself. Because as you can probably tell, the physique just doesn't develop in the swimming hall where you try to get your body back together. And use the spare time in the gym to prevent that from happening again. At first once I realized that I was going to miss significant time because of this injury. I didn't think too much of it and was wishful about being on the ice sooner than what was expected. But that really wasn't the case by any means. Time after time I felt like I had taken huge strides towards my comeback. And felt like I was able to do certain things just as I did before the injury for example just to go to skate on the ice with the guys but more times than not a return back onto the earth was upon me as I realized that the comeback was way further than I thought and it was time to spend some more time on the exercise bike and let me tell you me and that thing at this point are pretty good friends because I know exactly how it likes to be handled and it is very familiar with my ass and balls so That has come to be one of the truest friendships of my life. So as you can tell, I wasn't able to run, do lower body workouts with weights and most of the upper body movements also caused some distress for a long time. So the training became very stale very quickly and I don't mean to say that it should have been somehow any different since in my mind I got the best help possible from the men's team physiotherapist and I can't even thank him enough for working with me through both of my injuries because my body wouldn't be in this state without his help and expertise. But the fact is that you are pretty restricted when it comes to training and every week spent off the ice will bite down on you piece by piece. I can tell you that. It also doesn't ease the pain to see your teammates working hard each day and realizing that you are two steps behind all the time. Since you haven't been able to perform on the same level as them and you can see their progress from the rink side. So at some point you start to ask yourself, is this really worth it as time passes by, even though this is the thing that you love to do. But the question still pops up to your mind from time to time. How far are you able to go physically and mentally since you never know what the next thing might end up being? And to me, that's all natural. You wouldn't want to face those kind of thoughts as you're trying to work your way out of this deep well, but 
they start to creep in unintentionally and you have to be ready to answer to those questions. Every day is different when at times you really feel like this is finally the last stretch I really need to fight through and other days you feel like you are ready to give up because you are not making enough progress. And what very well sums it up is once I was able to return back onto the ice and I was deemed healthy physically. I had this feeling that now everything would start to smooth out again since I was operating in a familiar environment and I knew what I had to do to bounce back. But at that point I realized that only the first part of the whole process was done and there was still so much to do before actually being in full health and ready to compete. At that point the question came to be what's really wrong with me? since you should be ready to go physically, but few pieces are still seemingly missing. And probably the most frustrating thing about it all is the fact that you don't know when you are able to bounce back, what it will take and why I feel like I'm not making any strides towards becoming my true self. Because at times those steps felt so little that for the most part you couldn't even notice them. And the constant small setbacks will drain your mental strength which conversely won't feed your confidence and thus only worsens the situation as a whole. So quite literally, you just have to trust the process and work your way towards the goal, no matter how long it took. That year overall was my hardest one since I felt like I was never going to be able to get back onto my level once I made my comeback, but what brought me up once more was a thought of putting all on the line for the last run after the season had ended and once my body was in full health I had made the decision to go at it once more with full steam and that was the mentality for the off season. I knew that I was going to have the entire summer to myself without injuries and that was the motivating factor throughout the summer. I wanted to be better I wanted to prove everyone that the guy they saw at the end of last year was nowhere to be found and I wanted to make my impact straight from the get-go. Climbing back to that mental state wasn't easy since at times during the past season, I really felt like I was a major liability for the team once I was back, because I knew that I wasn't on my level and some long road trips felt like hell to me since thoughts of not being enough started to circulate in my mind, even though I tried to focus and do the best I could in the moment. After all, the last thing you want to feel as a part of the team is being a liability or being the anchor that drags the team backwards. So in those moments, I just tried all I could to not make mistakes and feed my confidence with every little break I got. That year, all the preparations before the games became real work as I had to mentally charge myself to extreme to be ready for the game, which now looking back at it was one of the main things that kept eating me mentally. And I've always been a guy who likes to charge myself for the games more than many others, but at times those preparations felt even extreme to me, so that was something that drained me even before the start of the game. And now that I reflect upon that year, Now it feels like most aspects that were related to hockey kept draining me to some extent since there was the unconscious pressure to perform from the coaches and your teammates plus your own expectations 
in addition to the fact that you had to fight your way back to the next level mentally and physically while nothing really came easy and I felt like I needed to be something that I was not capable of being at that time as I had to charge so much energy into everything I did starting from the breakfast all the way to the last practice session of the day just to seem like you are doing fine and working towards the goal you have said and in this case it was to get back onto my level and before that to become healthy enough to even play games and that pretty much sums up the whole process since even though at first you think that you just have to physically heal yourself but the truth is that at least for the lengthy injuries you have to simultaneously work on your mental state as well as your physique to get both of those back together so once the other works as it should it will not drain you if you are not able to perform on a level you are expecting to and both of those need to be in check in order to find peace on daily basis they go hand in hand and in my mind the mental side is way harder to fix than the physical side but as i said we are all different and feel things differently but that's just my thoughts concerning this topic hopefully that somewhat explains the load i was carrying that year and why i felt that it was almost insurmountable obstacle to overcome since i was so deep in my thoughts and felt like the only force that was affecting me was just pulling me down time after time nothing felt easy and i'm not saying that things should be easy but sometimes you have those moments as well but on my part at least they felt so little when compared to the monsters that were accommodating my everyday thoughts so now that i've laid all that down we move to the incident that eventually came to be my last competitive injury in sports in 2016 so the very next year and if you've listened to the previous episode you know the backstory of that so i'm not going to lay it down again so if you need to hear it go to an episode number 25 so the injury had happened time had passed by and i knew that the surgery was inevitable which would mean that the season would be over for me the next destination for me mentally was that same well that i had fought my way back but this time I hit the bottom and felt the darkness of it all at once. At that point, I knew that no one else was going to drag me up that well if I wasn't willing to do it myself. But even knowing that, it really didn't ease the situation any way, shape or form. I knew that this was the last place I wanted to end up because I knew some of the challenges I had to face before seeing the light at the end of it. But you know what really the worst part is? Knowing that you are there all alone. You know that the network is there to help, but sometimes the support ain't, unfortunately, since nobody knows how deep you really are. And that is the main reason why I highly recommend discussing these things with someone since you don't have to suffer alone it's deep it's dark and you really don't know what is going to change that so ask for help and to elaborate you really feel that you are all alone even though you know that you actually are not but the fact of the matter is that no one else is going through that same experience and 
if the person has never gone through such incident, they can relate to it and can only feel sympathy for you because of the current situation. Of course, there are your teammates, trainers, family and friends who will support you no matter what, but it's still a lonely place to be because after all, you are the one in that ditch and no one else. And I have to mention that this perspective only comes from the junior levels where the level is close to professional, but still not even close. So unfortunately, I can't speak on behalf of pros who might have different views where they have whole training staffs behind them to help them in their recovery. But I feel like some of these things are still going to be present no matter of the level. Two major injuries in a row really put me down mentally since As I've said, I put everything on the line that year and I was happy about the outcome to that point. But yet again, I had to claw up a mountain. And one of the most frustrating things about it is that you knew that you were there mentally to keep going, but the body just gave out. So you just had to eat that pile of shit once it was served for you. I was totally devastated because of the fact that I wasn't able to perform after fighting my way back from that same well. And I felt like everyone's expectations fell down on me all at once. My own at the forefront. You feel so disappointed and angry and it takes time to just realize that this isn't going to be the end. And that you are going to bounce back even though it might not feel like it at that moment. Back-to-back setbacks felt like once the other crack on my spine literally had healed, it broke from another point and that the whole posture was all messed up as a result of those fractures, figuratively speaking. And to close out this hard shedding, I need to admit that the decision to retire was by far the biggest one I've had to face in my life thus far. And it was not just an equation of two lengthy injuries, but other perspectives came into play as well. I did it for about 16 years, and it was all I knew at that time. And I had learned to love the sport more than I could have imagined, so it was really hard to let go of something you loved. And you knew that it was going to be it for good. But what I've learned through my life is that the Hardest part sometimes is letting go, but at times hanging on to those things might end up being more hurtful to you. And now looking back at it, that could be the truth now that I've discovered all these thoughts behind the curtain of the sport I love. I would do it all over again if I had the chance to do so every time. But at the same time, I don't regret my decision because... That won't change anything and the memories will stick with me until the very end. Fortunately though, that love hasn't died down and it has transformed into different contexts. And in the end, the decision became a little bit easier since I had gone through those emotions and thoughts already before deciding to give it a one more go before the second injury. Jumping to unknown was at the same time very scary but intriguing since I had no clue what I was going to do in the future. But at the same time I was excited to face new challenges in totally new environments where I would get to meet new people with totally different backgrounds. So here we are 
and partially I need to thank my two injuries for allowing this thing to happen. But still, I recommend to enjoy those sports as long as you are willing and capable. Since later on, you crave those good moments. Think about the bad things attached to it. But still, you wouldn't change a thing. Because those moments create your story. And at least I'm proud of mine and I'm not embarrassed to tell you about my struggles. Still, I feel like I could dig some out if I really put my head in the right mindset, but as I dwell into this topic, the thoughts just start to run laps on top of each other, so I've tried to make sense of them as I tell you this journey, and I'm very sorry for that. It is very possible that I make one or two more episodes in the future regarding this topic since the first one got so much positive feedback, and I hope that this episode will follow suit. And in case you want to hear more stories from my early days, feel free to let me know and I'll make sure to make that happen in the future. But that pretty much wraps up this topic for today. I hope that this at least raised some thoughts and if you feel like you've had similar experiences, let me know since I would love to hear about those and how you managed to deal with the thoughts and feelings attached to them. And overall, it was great to look back and reflect on those times since even though they were extremely tough mentally, they were teaching moments that have their place in my journey and without them, I wouldn't be in this place that I am right now. So hopefully you as well enjoyed this opening up and if you dare, reflect these things on your own personal life and think if you've dealt with similar situations in the past or even are battling with them currently, hopefully not, but if you are, let this be the turning point for you. The last thing on the list for today is the UFC 276 preview, so if that's not your cup of tea, I thank you for your presence and hope to see you next time. But for those who decide to stick with me, we are going to go for a quick ride into MMA world, where we have probably the most anticipated fight card of this summer. The 276 features two title fights and overall very intriguing card which showcases top tier veterans as well as young upcoming names so let's go take a quick glance at the main fights which will be headlining this week's UFC event. So which names are making this event so hyped up? Well let me tell you a few names that you might already recognize. In the early prelims, we already have household names, Uriah Hall and Andre Muniz going at it. The prelims will feature names such as Duplessis, Tavares, Gary, Miller, Cerrone, Riddle, Turner. And in the main card, we have exciting matchups between Pedro Munoz and Sean O'Malley, veteran Robbie Lawler and Brian Barberena, Sean Strickland and Alex Pereira. And the two title fights will host the top-tier names Alex Volkanovski and Max Holloway, as well as Israel Adesanya and Jared Cannonier. So, you think that that's good enough of a roster for Las Vegas? Because at least, I certainly do. Hall and Muniz will kick things off from the early prelims, and I expect nothing else than a fiery matchup between these two tough guys. After that, Brad Tavares and Drisius Duplessis go at it before the hyped-up talent Ian Gary steps into the octagon to face Gabriel Green. And if you watched his previous few fights and listened to my previews for this guy, 
you can't expect anything else than a dominating performance followed by unanimous decision victory. After that fight, we jump to the other end of the age table as two veterans, Jim Miller and Donald Cowboy Cerrone, face each other in the welterweight division. And even though Cerrone has been crashing through the ranks during the past few years, it's still exciting to see such a legend still going at it in the octagon since. Nowadays you don't see that very often, but this card will show you that these veterans still have entertainment value in them. So keep them in as long as they are willing to butt heads with other reckless souls of the sport. I'm not expecting Cerrone to win this fight based on his recent performances and at this point I just hope that he won't get straight out knocked out because we've seen too many of those kind of incidents so just for his sake I hope that this goes full time rather than ends to a stoppage in the middle of the fight and Cowboy suffers another KO loss. The last prelim fight will be between Brad Riddell and the upcoming Jalen Turner. And since I haven't paid close attention to Turner's recent performances, I'm not going to go any deeper into this matchup, even though I expect Riddle to give a tough fight for this newcomer of the lightweight division. The main card will start with a fiery matchup between heavy-pressing Pedro Munoz and the showboat himself, Sugar Shan O'Malley. And you can count this being the first real test for him as he faces one of the most aggressive fighters in the Bantamweight division. Munoz has been around the top 10 ranking for some time now, while O'Malley is seeking his way towards the top of the weight class. So if you are not going to tune in before the main card fights, this is the moment you should put the TV on, because these guys will certainly entertain us as long as the fight lasts. O'Malley with TKO is my prediction for this fight, and then in the welterweight division we see the former champ Robbie Lawler going against Brian Barberena. And quite honestly, it is really hard to predict the outcome of this fight since Barbarena is a total animal inside the cage, but so is Lawler. So if one thing is locked in for this fight, it is going to be the fact that these two will leave everything inside the cage, no matter the outcome. Lawler has been trending down as of late, so I see a real surprise factor in this bout. So let's say Barbarena will take this one in the first round via KO. But then we start to head towards the end part of this card, but the bets keep on rising as the number 4 ranked middleweight Sean Strickland goes up against unranked Brazilian Alex Pereira, who by the way is the only guy to knock out Israel Adesanya and has looked menacing in his recent fight. So I'm very eager to see these two bombers going at it before the champs strap up themselves for war. Strickland has some big scalps in his back pocket heading into this fight and his last fight against Jack Hermanson proved that he belongs to the top of this weight class. But yet again he is facing a tough opponent who won't be unranked for much longer, I can tell you that. Pereira is still quite new name for newer fans but he has racked up some big names to his resume and has looked very convincing in the few UFC fights he has fought so I wouldn't count him out before all is said and done. Because he has TNT in his hands and hits way harder than any other guy in this weight class. So Strickland can't go reckless against this guy because he certainly will take his head off if that does happen this Sunday. Strickland as well possesses dangerous stand-up game but doesn't possess similar power that Pereira does. So I'm very eager to see the outcome of this fight since I'm really high on Pereira based on his few UFC fights and the hyped KO power that he has. But when it comes to facing a top 5 opponent, it's going to be a different challenge on its own. 
I would really hope to see Pereira's power this weekend since some are still sleeping on this guy but when it comes to odds I think that Strickland will continue his march on and win this fight by decision but before the full time anything could happen so this is one of the fights that I'm most looking forward to this weekend. Then we head to two title fights where the dominating champs Izzy and the Great are defending their titles once again. And it's gotta be said that even though their opponents are tough once again, these two are just on another level than their competition and thus I'm not going to waste much time going through these matchups since both guys have pretty much cleaned up the divisions and just can't see them losing their titles at least at this point. I'm looking forward to seeing the killer Gorilla, Jared Cannonier, and his power against Izzy's elusiveness and technique, but when it comes to Volkanovski, he's going to keep his belt and end this trilogy against Max Holloway, and that's a fact. He has looked so dominant in his recent fights that I don't even give his opponents the puncher's chance, and Holloway has looked like a crust of his former self, so that won't improve his odds when going against one of the most dominant if not the most dominant champ the featherweight division has ever seen. But that's pretty much the quick wrap up for this weekend's UFC event. And even though there are some exciting fights coming up, I didn't want to waste too much time going through them since we have enough action in today's episode already as it is. That's going to do it though. Hope you enjoyed. Once again, very fun episode to make and I thank you for being part of this journey. I can't really tell you how much your support really means to me. We are now going to wrap up this episode. Leave your feedback to my social media or just send me a letter if you don't want to express your thoughts face to face or in my DMs. That works just fine. Or if you have the ability to send me the message in a bottle via waterways, that would be the best option. But now this thing is starting to lose its grip, so we better cut this thing down before we lose control completely. Thank you so much for listening. Hit that follow button and go check out my social media. Handles can be found from the description. I hope you have an awesome week and remember to come back next time to hear about the NHL entry draft. But until then, stay tuned, stay safe. Until next time. All right.